It's undeniable that church is changing because of our relationship to technology. At Faithlife, we have a front row seat to that change as it unfolds across thousands of churches of all traditions and sizes, because we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. My name is Kristen Tete, and I make things here at Faithlife because ministry is in my blood. I'm a millennial, but don't turn off the podcast. It just means I'm a digital native, so I can help you. Technology is a tool, but a tool without a purpose is useless. So in the Equipping the Church podcast, we'll not only teach you how to use some of the technology you might already have, we'll help you apply what you learn to your context. Every church has the same call to go and make disciples, but each church approaches that call in a slightly different way. Some churches use classes or small groups to make sure every person connects with community. Other churches teach discipleship from the pulpit, emphasizing the importance of contextual and relational ministry in daily interactions. Whatever the approach, formal or informal, discipleship is central to the gospel. Today, we'll hear from one local church who's actively discipling both online and off. They've figured out how to use technology to build community. And here's the thing. They're not in the middle of a thriving tech hub. They're in a New Jersey suburb. And the people who are using the technology most? Baby boomers. I hope this conversation encourages you in very practical ways to stay the course on discipleship. Leigh Felmy is the church administrator at Cumberland County Community Church in Millville, New Jersey. Leigh is legendary around our office for many reasons. Chief among them, she used her vacation to fly across the country to visit us at Faith Life headquarters in Bellingham, Washington. She deeply cares about people, and she's also committed to learning new things, which is why we admire her. We asked Lay if she would come on Equipping the Church to share her church's approach to discipleship. Welcome, Lay. Well, thank you for having me. Well, first, let's start with how long have you been in ministry? Oh, at this church, 20 years. And overall, how many years? Um, I would say close to 50. Wow. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. Uh, we want to want to know from you, does your church have a discipleship strategy? Yes, we do. Uh, We have several different ways of discipleship through small groups, um, through individual mentoring, to temporary groups that, you know, that have needs for them. So from the time people come into the church and we get to talk to them, they get invited to all kinds of activities, you know, to participate. Our church is very loosely structured, and that mm-hmm. makes it easy for people to enter a group or a class or get involved in any kind of ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I vis- I visited your church, and uh, it seems like such a welcoming place. It's a church that certainly has open arms. Yes, we do try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> your church has thriving small groups. So tell us about some of those groups, especially those groups that you refer to as your ladies. <laughs> well... Uh, We do have, uh, like I said, lots of different kinds of small groups. We have fellowship groups, Bible study groups, service groups, um, individual mentoring, life event groups. We have um, people that need extra time with things. They need someone to be alongside of them 
you know, one by one. Uh, I had a lady just recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and I paired her up with another lady who's been through it. So they're walking through that together. And I learned about that when I first started here, shortly after I started, someone asked me to walk them through their cancer walk. They knew that within a year they would be going home to the Lord. And so they asked me to walk them through it. So from there, I got the idea of pairing other people up with similar issues that need to have someone walk them through. So we do have some formal groups, uh, you know, for membership or spiritual gifts or learning how to study the Bible. We have uh, we actually have a couple of travel groups. Uh, Dean takes people on different trips locally and out of the country. But before he does, he meets with these people. He teaches them about the country that they're going to go to. So they and they learn about the culture. Then they learn about each other. So they have uh, a wonderful group. So by the time they go on their trip, they already know each other. We're bringing in um, walk through the Bible in um, about a month and um, having them do the Old Testament walk through the Bible. And um, my ladies, um, well, I have three groups myself that uh, I keep and I have about uh, 50 ladies in them. I keep the groups kind of together so that if somebody has to miss one one group, they, they know that, oh, I can go on the Wednesday group if I can't come Tuesday. We have a lady who moved to Georgia and we Skype her in every week, every Tuesday, and she does her homework. We She can even watch the videos that we're watching. We're right now doing a lot of going through the Bible. So right now my ladies are going to go into Ezekiel mm-hmm. and in between books, we have what we call recreation day. And I don't lead that. I let the ladies decide what they want to do. They form leadership themselves and they plan things. We've gone to restaurants, movies, done potluck, had games, all kinds of events. And they just have fun doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just answered this question, Leigh, but I would love to know uh, how many people attend your small groups, but don't actually attend your church? Um, we have several of them in my groups and in, in some of the others. We have people that don't come, but they still have an affinity here, whether it be the Bible type of Bible study that we're having or the type of group that we're having. We have one lady, Judy, who attends one of one of my groups. And um, she, every year, uh, gets from all friends and she does a lot of ministry individually. And she does a, um, a book fair uh, in, in a underprivileged neighborhood. And so her small group is helping by bringing in books and mm-hmm. uh, also purchasing items, educational items to make as prizes. Because Judy mm-hmm. believes if the child learns to read and they enjoy reading, they're going to read the Bible. So mm-hmm. that's what they get excited about. Uh, we have people attending the travel groups and the Greek club that are from other churches. We also have people that are individually mentored that don't necessarily attend our church. We have people that are coming out of prison or coming out of rehab 
and they're like an individual type thing, not like there's not a formal group for them, but we're teaching them how to uh, get a job, how to fill out applications, how to do resumes, how to find a place to live, how to handle money. So they're discipled alongside of working with other other men in the church doing doing different things. What I love about your church, Lay, is practical needs are so important to all of you and you just continue to help people um, with whatever it is that they need in that moment. Yeah, we we found that if you look at the model that Jesus set up, he he lived among the people and worked mm-hmm. with them in groups and individually on a daily practical life. And so, you know, that's that's been uh, our goal from then mm-hmm. on is 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 just that practical stuff. You yeah. know, we have a I have a a lady whose husband was diagnosed with MS. So she mm-hmm. wasn't able to come out a lot to groups. So some other ladies from my groups decided we can't leave her alone. So they saw a need and now they go to her house and hold group there so that that family is not left out in the cold. You know, mm-hmm. they have fellowship and it works for all of them. So um, it's a practical need. Somebody yeah. needs something whether it's mm-hmm. temporary or long-term. So, yeah. Well, so you're you're in a rural community with about 300 people who attend your church each week. Uh, give us some practical discipleship tips you have for churches that look like yours. Well, um, we keep things kind of loosely structured mm-hmm. and we offer a variety of groups. So it's not all the very same thing and we make it, easy for them to to engage uh, we we encourage fellowship outside of the groups uh, we we know that all of our groups have people that meet outside of the group in between groups they go and they have lunch or coffee or something they meet out and do things together so in between uh, we do have someone that oversees a group that connects people and so mm-hmm. having more than one kind of group making it easy for people to to be in a group. Uh, some of our groups take breaks, others do not. So we just kind of make it easy for them. That's all. You don't have to go through an application process. You don't have to go through a committee. You just, you say, you come up and you say, I want to be in a group. We talk and see what kind. We look at the times that groups are offered and the kinds of groups we have. And, and then people are engaged in that way. That's great. So you said that you are loosely structured. So how do you keep all of loosely these small groups organized? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. You know, get, get really granular. Help us understand the details of how you organize your small groups. The problem is I'm highly structured and I'm in a church that's very loosely structured. So the challenge is on my end in trying to keep the big picture out there to see what's happening. So I do keep I keep my groups and attendance on ministry tracker and we have groups for communication on faith life groups. So I'm the one behind the scenes keeping keeping the organization going so that I can report to the elders. You know, we have X amount of groups, X amount of people in it. They can watch people grow. For instance, those those people that are being mentored on on uh, coming out of you know prison or rehab or something. They're doing that. The the people that I have being mentored individually, we have a literacy group going on. People are uh, teaching others how to read. So I can say to 
the elders, if they want to know that, you know, you know, hey, these four people, they wanted to read and now they can or they're making progress or something. And that's that's the reason that we have some kind of organization in the background. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not out front, out, out front where the people are. It's very loosely organized so that people can become part of some kind of group at any time that they Got want it. to. Got it. So, so tell us about Betty. Who is she and, and how does she stay connected to her small group at your church? Betty is my 86-year-old wonder. <laughs> she, is, <laughs> she is a rascal, uh, but she is so adorable. <laughs> and, and she's, Betty not only comes to church and comes to small group, but she helps in the code blue uh, for mm. the, um, in the wintertime. And she's always out there. I don't think she ever stays home. She's always out there in some kind of service thing. But here she's, she's latched onto her small group, really loves it, does her best to keep up with things. I taught her how to get onto the computer to get onto Faith Life, uh, and she is a happy camper with that. She communicates that way, and that's how mm-hmm. she connects. Uh, but once she comes in, boy, you just know Betty's there, and she is just one of those gems that just she comes in and and everybody gets you know Betty's here, and so we have excitement. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> Every church her. needs a Betty. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you you said to me in in previous conversations, how are you going to make disciples if you're not focused on teaching God's word? That's an important part of your ministry, of course, um, but your small groups especially. So tell us about how you teach God's word in your small groups. Well, I love teaching God's word and I love just studying. But if you don't do something with what you learn from studying, then you're really not getting anywhere. So I'm very big on actual the Bible study, but then we have to have the application. So we do... Um, we do a lot of digging deep into whatever book we happen to be in. And we do a lot of very application or disciple-based questions. Like, I don't accept what they call Sunday school answers. Um, It has to be not a, I think we should do this. It should be, I am going to do this, or this is how my life has changed and um, things like that. So I want them to to understand and love God's word so much that whenever they read it, they're excited about it. And that from that, they they have a plan for their life. They, they get excited about it. And um, one of the things that I have found with uh, using social media, some of our ladies gave up Facebook because they found that they're scrolling for hours and accomplishing nothing. They've just, by the time they're done, they've, they've not thought one complete thought. So mm. they've switched over to using our social media on Faith Life. The um, challenge that they've seen is that on Facebook, you scroll and you don't have to think. But in posting onto something like the social media on Faith Life, you have to actually think a thought. And mm. that is what I want to get across in groups how to do critical thinking. Um, most people don't know that. They go to church, they hear the sermon, they go home. But to actually take a passage and to think it through. So on on 
pacing in the ladies groups, they try to, they actually now have to think. It's a cultural mm. change that that is going to be a slow change, I think, because you have to be able to look at a life issue and think it through. So I try yeah. to either post a question out there that'll make people think or an article. I posted uh, several Easter articles recently and I've gotten some very good responses as far as I never thought that before, or here's what I think. And so if we don't teach people how to think, then they can't do any kind of discipleship with anyone else or any kind of application. And Mm -hmm. you need that through life, through your family life and through your own life. You need to know what God's word says and how do you use it today? That's awesome, Leigh. Well, tell us, since you're helping teach people how to think, tell us the story of one of your members who is actively discipling another person. And what are the traits of that person that the churches who are listening today can work to cultivate in their own people? Well, I think you need to cultivate uh, an eye to see a need. Uh, you see something that has to be done and and you do it. For instance, the ladies that went to Lorna's house to to do a small group there because she couldn't come out. Nobody came and said uh, to the office and said, uh, you know, she can't get out. Is there something you can do for her? They went ahead and did it. And so you have to have people that are self-starters and you have to have a structure that allows people to do that. Uh, we don't uh, hold it and say, oh, you can't wait a minute. You have to be approved to do that. These ladies said, oh, Lorna needs help. Let's go help her. Uh, Shirley uh, is being helped with Joanne. Joanne sees this as as her service. So she's, she's not only helping Shirley walk through cancer, but she's helping someone learn how to read that doesn't know how to read. And she's using one of her small group books to do that. So I think um, to develop, to allow people to open their eyes, look around, talk to people, see what the need is, and then have permission to go out and do it. That's great, Leigh. So if you were to dis, uh, distill discipleship down into one phrase, what would it be? Well, our church's motto is a church that speaks your language. So <laughs> I think that our discipleship is closely related. We speak your language to help you get connected and to grow in God's grace, because that's, we have to know who we have in the church. We have to be able to express to them on their level of whatever it is of how to help them. And so that's what we try to do. You have the ear of local churches and ministry teams, Lay. What would you say to encourage those who are listening today? Make it easy to get connected. Develop leaders who have a heart for people. I think being loosely structured really encourages everyone to get involved. Never give up on the model Jesus set for us. Become the lo- become involved in the lives of others. Show them Christ's love by actually loving them. Life is messy. There's there's a lot of messy people out there, but if you don't go help them, you know who's going to do that? I think you need to develop leaders all the time. Uh, one thing that uh, I've found that has been just a godsend is prayer. I had a group that um, was down to three ladies, and they were discouraged that they had lost ladies in their group. 
and they talked about disbanding. So I began to intercede and ask God to bring people into that group that he wanted there. So now that group has 16 vibrant ladies who are excited every single week. They get together, they share and learn what God has for them. They, they are so attuned to studying his word and living it out. And I just attribute it all to God's grace and, and the fact that I took that group to prayer and God just rebirthed that whole group and, and the ladies in there are just so committed to him that it's just amazing. Mm, thank you so much, Leigh. We are so grateful for what you just shared with us. Uh, but more than that, thank you to you and Pastor Sal and the whole Cumberland team for your dedication to helping your community connect with the word and each other. Oh, my pleasure. All for God's glory, right? That's right. So what about your church? How do you approach discipleship? Are you like Cumberland, loosely structured and deeply committed to one-on-one -on -one practical needs discipleship? Or do you have a locked tight small group strategy that includes clear next steps? Tell us about your approach to discipleship in our Equipping the Church community on Faith Life. Go to faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Hi, this is Amber, the co-producer of this podcast. The topic of discipleship reminds me of an article in the April 2019 issue of Ministry Team Magazine. The author, Douglas Heck, who is the founder and pastor of Horizon Church in Seattle, talks about the struggle he faced 30 years ago. While not quite feeling planted himself, he was planting a church in a new place. In Pastor Heck's words, the first key to planting is not to build a church service, a discipleship system, or a denominational model, but to plant my heart. I must decide that this is permanently it. I will love this city, love this people, and settle here and make it my place. His words ring true for me because I don't always get discipleship right. I often need to remind myself to be fully present. But what a helpful reminder Pastor Heck gives us to honor the place that God currently has us. How do you cultivate community where God currently has you? Let us know your thoughts in the Faith Life group at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. If you'd like to read the full story, I encourage you to subscribe to Ministry Team Magazine at ministryteam.com slash ETC. Lay talked about organizing her small groups on Faith Life. If you're interested to help organize your discipleship online, here's how you can do it and do it for free on Faith Life. We'll post these instructions in the show notes at faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. First, go to faithlife.com and create your account. Faith Life looks similar to the social media platforms you already know. The biggest difference is that Faith Life emphasizes community and privacy, so it's a safe space for you to build digital community. After your account is created, go to the search bar at the top of the page and type in the name of your church. We've preloaded many of the churches in the U.S. into Faith Life, so if you see your church, you can claim it. There's a possibility your church is already active on Faith Life. In that case, we encourage you to join the group and request that the current admin add you as an admin. Once you're an admin of your church group, you can build out all of your small groups on Faith Life. 
go to the groups menu on the left-hand side of your church group and select the plus sign. When you click the plus sign, you'll be prompted to create a new group. When you create groups this way, they're considered subgroups and they'll be associated with your church. When creating a group, select small group as the type. Name the small group. If your church has small groups organized by time of the week they meet, you could name the group Tuesday night small group. Set the group location and then select the privacy level. Because small groups are meant to foster closeness, people tend to share very personal details in this setting. For that reason, I recommend setting group permissions to secret. This allows the admin of that small group to invite people to the group. People outside of the small group will not be able to find the group and request to join that way. If you do want people to be able to find the group and request an invite to join, set the permissions to private. Then select next. Here you can fill in contact info for the group leader. You can even create a tagline for the small group. Select next to complete the process of creating a group. Now you see the small group you just created. To make sure the group leaders are aware of this new communication and organization platform they have, we recommend you invite the leaders to that group immediately. You can do that by selecting invite in the top right corner of the group and adding their email addresses. Send them a note that says something along the lines of, here's where you can schedule upcoming small group gatherings, post prayer requests and photos, do Bible study, and share your lives together. Now that I've told you how to set up one small group, you can repeat this process as many times as you need to build out space for all of your groups to have access to digital community. Another cool thing is that you can access small groups via the FaithLife app, which you can download for free in the Apple or Google Play stores. In the show notes, we'll link to a video that walks you through this process. So don't worry if you got lost as I was walking you through the step-by-step instructions. And while you're on Faith Life, be sure to follow the Equipping the Church group. You can find that by searching for Equipping the Church and join us. Today's podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.